Sector specialists take the box seat, while generalists feel the heat in the increasingly bifurcated fundraising market. We look at VC funds in the UK, hear from Octopus Ventures, and get a taste of what sector specialisation offers investors. We also round up all the action from the Nordic Private Equity Forum. All that and more in this episode, the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome back to the second season of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Today, we're focusing on UK fundraising. We've got an interview from the manager of one of the most successfully raised UK funds this year. That's Octopus Ventures. In addition to that, we're going to be drawing on the Unquote UK fundraising report, which was compiled by Unquote in association with the fund administrator, the Aztec Group. And to help me with that, I have the report's principal author and editor. It's the fund guru, Gareth Morgan. Welcome, Gareth. Hi, Oscar. Good to be back. So, listener, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this. It might be the last time you hear from the fund guru. Uh, Certainly on this podcast, it's likely to be the last time because Gareth's leaving us next week. He's moving to Oxford. Gareth, what are you up to in Oxford? Yeah, so I'm I'm relocating out of London. Um, I'm going to be working for a company called Fast Track 100, uh, who I'm sure most of our listeners will be aware of. Uh, They publish league tables of the fastest growing private companies in the UK. So presumably lots of private equity stories in there. Absolutely, and, and probably plenty of future private equity stories as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, so if you need some deal sourcing tips, get in touch with Gareth. <laughs> um, all the best from the Unquote pod with that, Gareth. I'm sure Thanks. our listeners will wish you well. Um, while we're on that topic, I should just mention that you'll be hearing a bit less of me as well. I'm not exactly leaving, but I will be moving to our sister publication, Debtwire, within the same office. I'll still pop in for the occasional guest appearance, assuming that Greg lets me, but he and the team will be taking over the chairing of the pod, at least going forward. Anyway, producer Tim looks bored. He's rolling his eyes at me through the glass, uh, so it's probably time to move on to private equity. Um, Just before we get into the week's main topic, just to thank all the panellists and attendees uh, and sponsors that were at Unquote's Nordic Private Equity Forum yesterday. I was out in Stockholm for that. Uh, you moderated a couple of panels there, didn't you, Oscar? What were they on? I did. So I, I moderated one on long-term capital. Uh, had someone from Aurelius, someone from Pamira, someone from IK, someone from Altor. So interesting okay. to get a few different perspectives. I, previously at Allocate, actually, I did a long-term capital panel, which was all LPs. Oh, right. uh, so it was useful to have done that one first. I could put <laughs> all the concerns to, to the managers Um so yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, I also did one on digital transformation of companies, which had people from Nordic Capital, Vidane, Grow Capital, uh, and someone from the Virtual Data Rooms provider, Admin Control. It's also a very interesting panel, mm. comparing different approaches of how you know how much in-house expertise you should have in various different things like software. Um, uh, but actually, one of the most interesting panels of the day was uh, by Denise Cogenovese, who's associate editor, unquote, she's been on the podcast before, our listeners will be familiar. Um, she had a chat with Ragnar Hellenius of PAI Partners. It was all about the single asset restructuring of Perchthorpe. Uh, do, do you remember when we covered that one? I, I do, yeah. That's, that's an interesting story, isn't it? PAI held it for, for a long 10 years, time. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's now been, I mean, they're still holding it. It's mm. been put into a new vehicle backed by Landmark Partners. And I think we're going to be publishing something on that with a few more details. So stay tuned to unquote.com for that. Um, anyway, producer Tim is once again rolling his eyes. Uh, I think it is time to talk about what we're here to talk about. Uh, so the UK fundraising report, um, we published it a few months ago, but the, the picture's still 
relatively uh, the same as when we did. Uh, what would you say is sort of the main takeaway? Um, yeah, so you're right. We published this in July, I think. Um, so we, we kind of the numbers are up to, to the end of H1, but they actually paint a pretty pretty decent picture of the fundraising climate in the UK. Um, obviously, there are significant political headwinds, uh, which have been around for a couple of years now and continue to seem to be slightly unresolved. Um, but in the face of that, the, the private equity industry seems to be doing okay when it comes to raising capital. Yeah, we mentioned that last week, maybe there's been slightly more of a drop off in deal volume, whereas mm. fundraising seems to be pretty strong. Obviously, it's still quite heavily bifurcated. I think that'd be fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the UK is obviously home to some of the big brand name European GPs. So you've got people like Simvan and Carlisle at the top of the top of the list. For and Since that report actually um, advent closed, we'd probably yeah. count that in the UK, would we? I th- yes, we would. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, probably another big boost for overall figures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But there are a few interesting exceptions to that rule. Um, You know, people with very heavy sector specializations um, and also first-time managers are doing relatively well. Um, Obviously, there's a bit of a caveat there that they tend to be ones who do have a bit of sector specialization about them or some other kind of differentiation. Um, So, for example, Novalpina closed their first fund on a billion euros earlier this year. Um, And they've got a pan-European mandate, I think, which is is maybe a little different to to how a number of kind of more UK-focused managers would would operate. That's a good good effort for a first time out. Certainly not bad, is it? (laughs) There are lots of interesting comments, obviously more in a Nordic perspective on this kind of topic as to how for a first time find how important it is to get the story right and really emphasise your own distinctiveness, which I know is something we've discussed on the pod before. Um, And it'd be interesting to get Octopus Ventures' take on that, actually, Mm. um, which we'll we'll come to next because Kat's been out on the road uh, with Octopus Ventures. Um, and we will be back with that interview after this. Hello, listener. This is Catherine Hidalgo from the Octopus Group headquarters in Hoburn. Uh, I'm jo- joined here with Elliot Cole, CEO of Octopus Ventures, and Richard Court, Head of Development Capital at Octopus Inve- Investments. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. So to start off, um, Octopus has invested in several different areas and has a varied investor base. Can you tell us a bit about how Octopus and its funds are structured and who your investors are? Yeah, sure. So for those um, of your listeners who may not be familiar with us, uh, Octopus Investments and Octopus Ventures are both part of the Octopus Group. Um, We are a London headquartered financial services and energy firm founded in 2000. Some listeners may be familiar with the energy part of the business, uh, Octopus Energy. This is rapidly growing and I'm pleased to say it still remains the only which recommended energy supplier and is on course to challenge the big six. From um, a financial services perspective, we manage just over 8.5 billion on behalf of retail and institutional investors. And we've built sizable investment platforms in renewable energy, property financing, healthcare infrastructure, as well as a venture capital team, which is what I lead, and a smaller company investing team. Um, And so Richard is here from Development Capital, and happy to answer any questions. 
Octopus Ventures focuses on the future of health, deep tech and the future of money, as you just mentioned. What benefits does that sector specialisation bring? We opted on the future of health, the future of money and deep tech as we firmly believe that these are areas that matter. We're looking to find pioneering entrepreneurs who wish to build companies that will have a big impact on society and can ultimately grow to be international if not global companies. By splitting our focus into these three areas we're able to really understand the incentives and um, the, the, the drivers of growth between these particular sectors. We're also able to build relevant networks of operators, academics, investors, corporate VCs who can join us on the journey as well. And uh, Octopus Ventures invests in Europe, but with a bias towards the UK. So in the current political climate, how do investors view this strategy? So in, in our experience, the, um, the investors in our funds want to see the performance and to see the realisations. And um, ultimately, the proof is in the pudding. What I would say is many of the entrepreneurs we invest in are bringing new solutions to market or are disrupting existing markets and bringing efficiency to them. And so often they're quite counter-cyclical and often they um, are rapidly growing on average somewhere between 50 and 100%. So whilst there might be more challenging macro events, these businesses tend to navigate those quite successfully. So our UK fundraising report also found that impact investing in the UK is seeing more and more allocations to it, again despite the political environment. So when LPs and of course your retail investors want to talk about your responsible investing credentials, what are their main concerns? So I think um, there are a number of things that are occurring here. So the, the dialogue and acknowledgement around ESG has moved from being something that is um, adhered to and commented on to something much more central and much more critical to how allocators of capital, capital uh, allocate and how fund managers um, assess and invest in companies. And that aligns really well with how we view the world. We are drawn to pioneers who wish to build large, impactful, positive companies and um, what we can do as a fund manager investing in these companies is help them assess and measure the impact they're having because often it's taken for granted and the um, simple measures like job creation aren't really tracked. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're Alex Saint building secret escapes which now employs over a thousand people across Europe and the Far East um, I'm sure he probably hasn't tracked the number of jobs he's created, but it's, it's a fantastic um, metric and, and a real indication of um, the, the benefit that capital can bring to these um, early stage companies. So over to Richard uh, in the development capital team. So what kind of companies are you looking to invest in and how does that differ with Elliot and the Octopus Ventures team? Thanks, Catherine. Um, yeah, in, in essence, the development capital team is looking to invest in later stage opportunities than the, than the Octopus Ventures team. 
Um, so the, the sort of clear distinctions there are uh, generally around product market fit or what we call commercialized businesses. So these are businesses already with a product or a service in the market. They have a large number of customers. So there is strong evidence that, that the, the service is desired and uh, the focus then is on scaling it up. Um, so we, we think about it more around uh, execution risk of scaling this up rather than taking risk on, on the, next, uh, the next big thing. Um, what we aim to do is to help management um, uh, overcome some of the challenges that the businesses at, at this stage of their, of their life cycle um, uh, frequently encounter and we work with them to, to drive towards whatever the optimal exit is for, the, for that company. So uh, your Apollo VCT offers a blend of both equity and debt financing. How do you think this betters your offering and what does this mean for your investors? So I suppose are investors attracted to this different risk profile? Yeah, I think for, uh, for, for Oxford, it brings a really good uh, sort of complementary uh, product offering. So across our VCTs, we have, um, we have uh, a VCT for, for really early stage uh, investing. We have a VCT for, for later stage and one indeed when, when companies become listed on, on the AIM markets. Uh, and that allows the investors to pick and choose the, the stage of a company's development that they, they want to play at. Um, for us, the investors typically want a different risk return profile um, and mixing those instruments allows us to offer that. So with debt, you get priority ranking, you get certain controls and, and sort of check-in points that you don't always get with, with a pure equity investment. Um, uh, but we do use an, an equity component because obviously these are growing companies and we want to participate in, in the growth that we, um, we are helping to drive. Uh, so our offering, we, uh, we aim to minimise the dilution to existing shareholders and that's what allows us to be competitive in the marketplace uh, and allows us to, to, to seek and find great investment opportunities. So if your focus is later stage, what is your exit horizon for the companies you invest in? Yeah, that's a great question um, and I think we will we will likely see that the, the exit horizon is shorter uh, than say uh, the, the Ventures Fund because Companies are just that much that much more progressed at the point we uh, we enter, um, and ultimately, you know, management team generally want to work towards some kind of uh, some kind of event. Now that can be that can be a, a an outright exit, or it can be finding a, a new home for the business, further further funding, um, myriad ways that, uh, and, and things that we can we can work towards. Um, we're also a venture capital trust, so as as Elliot said, we have um, we have patient capital. We're an evergreen fund. Um, we're always a minority investor, so you know we don't control the exit process, but we do work with management teams. We work with them constructively to drive towards whatever that optimal exit is for for all stakeholders around the board. Um, and typically, that that will be driven by the natural life cycle of what a management team wants wants to do. Uh, you know, private equity generally thinks around three to five years as being a normal um, normal horizon, and we're not dissimilar from that. Uh, but being an evergreen fund, we can hold things for much longer if, if that's the right thing to do. But we can also um, uh, have shorter hold periods where there's an opportunistic exit. And uh, for example, we recently exited our, our, an investment after about 15 months, um, sold to a FTSE 100 um, uh, acquirer, Just Eat PLC. Uh, and that was, a, that was a great outcome for us and our shareholders. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much, Elliot. Thanks so much, Richard, for having me. And thanks, listener. That was uh, Catherine Hidalgo there speaking with Elliot Cole and Richard Court of Octopus Ventures. 
uh, very interesting interview. I'm sure you'll agree, Gareth. Um, Absolutely. Octopus, unfortunately, weren't included in the stats for the UK fundraising report. There is a good reason for that. We didn't just miss them out. <laughs> um, it's because of the structure that they invest through being a VCT um, and, and certain parts of it being listed. Um, but we did actually, uh, we listed some of their competitors, which sort of je- demonstrated the strength of uh, UK venture fundraising in the first half. Yeah, so we've um, earlier this year, InReach Ventures held a, a final close on 53 million euros. Um, we've also had Abingworth Bio Ventures close their seventh fund. Uh, I think that was towards the end of last year. Um, and Draper Esprit closed uh, another venture fund on about 200 million euros. Yeah, Abingworth's a really interesting example, actually, because it kind of reinforces the theme that we were talking about just before, and that was picked up on by, uh, I think it was Elliot one of Eva Ali or Richard in that interview just there um, about the importance of sector specialization. Abingworth obviously very focused on really just biotechnology and maybe they do some other kind of medical devices, med tech as well. Um, but Octopus focusing on three main sectors that they said there. So it was kind of future of money. So I guess we could say fintech maybe, uh, healthcare. <laughs> And uh, also deep tech. Deep tech, yeah. Um, so, what is it about sex specialization from a kind of investor perspective or an LP perspective? Um, well, I guess what you get as an LP when you invest in in a very specialized fund is firstly diversification. Um, you know, you get access to to kind of a, a deep vertical of businesses that maybe in a more generalist fund you might just see one or two of. Um, I think also it might, it kind of seems to me that the, you can have a little bit more conviction around the managers that are specialized. Um, obviously, you know, to take Octopus as an example, they've got three different teams structured around those key sectors. So what that would mean is that they've got a very deep expertise. Um, so when it comes to diligencing the businesses that they're looking at, um, you know, they can be quick in identifying, you know, what has the potential to be a successful investment. Yeah, and I guess as an LP, if you're very busy with lots of re-ups, if you're going to look outside your kind of normal stable of managers, you want it to be something that really stands out. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think an- another point that's worth mentioning is um, counter-cyclicality. Which I think was was raised in that interview as well, um, particularly around kind of health and and tech sectors. They are kind of sheltered from any economic downturn, really. So, again, from an LP point of view, that that is another factor differentiating these specialists from from more kind of broad fund managers. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually about whether how kind of counter cyclical or crisis immune these assets might be they've certainly picked the right sectors to invest in for now Mm. Um, i saw a report from uh, i think it was from cambridge associates that kind of ranked by sector the average return multiple for all deals that they'd recorded over a a quite long period of time and uh, yeah tech and healthcare were right up there at the top were closely followed by fintech Um, so it could be uh, that that's kind of driving some of their success um Anyway, it was a really, really interesting interview and really interesting uh, fundraising report. And there are more coming in this series that we're doing with Aztec, the, the fundraising reports, aren't there, Gareth? There are, yes. So we are 
about a week and a half away from publishing a report that looks at listed private equity, um, how you know the kind of different strategies private equity firms used when it comes to raising money from the public markets. Okay, so it's like, I don't know, the kind of listed investment vehicle that acts as an LP in the funds often? Is that how it Yeah, works? so that, that's a pretty common common way of doing it. So um, HG Capital Trust is a, is a fairly high-profile example of that. Um, there are also things like listed fund of funds vehicles um, and obviously the, the listed management companies as well, which EQT is very shortly to become... Oh yeah! In fact, they listed this week. I yeah. think uh, on Tuesday, and have, the share prices have soared so far. <laughs> um, anyway, very interesting. We we'll look forward to reading that report. Um, and then there's the DAC fundraising report coming up, probably end of this year, start of next yeah, year. Yeah, so that's going to be released in conjunction with our DAC event, which I think is at the end of November this year. Okay. Well, we'll look out for that one as well. That is all from us this week. Please do subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on iTunes or on Spotify, or you can just continue listening for our website, unquote.com. Thank you to my panel, to Gareth and to Kat, who's actually not here today, but did record the interview. Uh, Thanks to Elliot and Richard from Octopus, and to you too, listener. We'll speak to you soon.